Coming up on Stu Does America, should the news media be covering the news? Hmm, it's a tough question that apparently a lot of the media can't figure out how to answer. We talked to Ash Kazarian about the ways we're slowly giving up our freedom in a moment of crisis. And the handsome, talented, and downright svelte Glenn Beck is here to talk about his new book, Arguing with Socialists, and also why an early season renewal for this show is a great financial call. Do me a favor and click subscribe wherever you are, unless, of course, I don't know, maybe if you're driving down a particularly curvy stretch of road, then don't do that. Rate and review this podcast. Uh, The fifth star is the one you're looking for. And if you're on YouTube, sometimes our videos can be a little hard to find even when you're specifically searching for them. So click the bell and get all of our notifications whenever we post something new. And don't forget, the most amazing offer in human history is here for you, and all you needed was a global pandemic to get it. Go to blazetv.com slash stew and get a Blaze TV subscription. It's completely worth it, especially if you use the code stew, because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you get 30 bucks off, the biggest discount ever. Now, if you happen to be one of these 6 million-plus unemployed this week, you can take solace in the fact that it wasn't your fault. We did this to you on purpose. Congratulations. Stu does America. President's daily coronavirus updates have turned into appointment viewing for millions of Americans who need to get the important information like current recommendations, important health initiatives, and when is everyone I know going to die? In case you missed it, the answer to that last one, next Tuesday. You might want to make that last phone call this weekend. Make sure you fit that one in your schedule. But not everyone is getting those briefings anymore because, well, first there were calls from the Washington Post for the media to stop covering the briefings. Then one NPR affiliate stopped carrying the briefings and NPR as a whole decided to skip some of them as well. Yesterday, CNN cut away from the briefing, briefing as well. Watch. The Iraqi government about this? They know about it, yeah. Are they offering additional protection? All right, we're going to continue to monitor uh, this briefing uh, and see if they get back to the issue of the coronavirus. Okay. So did the network known as Microsoft National Broadcasting Company. Obviously, during this crisis, we're all focused uh, above all else on COVID-19. But at the same time, we're going to we're going to stay listening in, obviously, to this task force. And as soon as we get an update on the pandemic itself, we will, of course, come back. Now, uh, look, to be fair, they did start the briefing with an update on a separate topic, an important one. But this is a growing movement on the left, and there's a new excuse every single day. Now, major media organizations aren't even sending reporters to the briefings anymore because they say there isn't enough news being made to justify the risks to their health. I mean, sure, they'll go interview al-Assad or Osama bin Laden in his prime. But the Rose Garden is one step too far. And I know there is a risk being around anybody else these days. uh, But I think the president, honestly, would be happy to have Jim Acosta put on a protective full body suit during the briefings. I think he'd like it. These briefings are important and news is made there. It's not just Trump and Pence. It's usually Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks as well. They're not administration lapdogs. They're the experts at, you know, that we're talking about. These are the experts on the situation at hand. And whether you agree or not, they're making the recommendations guiding U.S. policy through like a really impossible series of trade-offs. When the media does ask Dr. Fauci questions, it seems to revolve around second-guessing Trump's earlier words to try to get sound bites for a future Biden 2020 commercial. And, you know, less, I, I just, I don't even understand it. They go to the point where they get to, um, you know, why hasn't the president instituted a federal lockdown? 
Well, first of all, like it or not, it's pretty much in effect anyway. 45 states have instituted stay-at-home orders in one form or another, and travel still fell dramatically in areas without official orders. Secondly, I'm not sure the president can just tell everyone to stay home. My understanding was we still had a constitution uh, that forms a federal government that is intentionally weak, or at least was supposed to be. The president could do things like stop interstate flights, for example, but codifying the ability of the president to lock down our nation is not a good thing to test. And finally, why would you want to give the president this sort of power if you're on the left? You guys already think Donald Trump is Hitler. Why do you want to give Hitler the power to lock down the population? I think there's a chance, and it's a small, tiny, teensy, weensy little chance that you recognize he's not an evil fascist dictator, or you might not want to entrust him with your every movement. The truth is, no matter what you think of Trump, the media is obsessed with the guy. Now, this is something that Trump enjoys and exploits for his own entertainment all the time. But with the media, there's a difference between their coverage today and with past presidents. There's plenty of bias against George W. Bush and all the way back to Ronald Reagan. But the singular focus on Donald Trump by today's media has never been seen before and only slightly less healthy than breathing in a giant deep gasp of COVID-19 air. And while the media is always second guessing the administration, their coverage of this crisis has been only slightly less disastrous as the brunch menu at a wet market in downtown Wuhan. Drew Holden of the Resurgent put together a helpful trip down memory lane that I retweeted from at Stu Does America. Please make sure to follow there. Uh, but let's go through a few of the greatest hits. They fall into a, a few of the classic genres. For example, China did a wonderful job. That genre is, of course, well represented. China's decision to lock down the city of Wuhan, ground zero for the global COVID-19 pandemic, may have prevented more than 700,000 new cases by delaying the spread of the virus, researchers say. Right, just because they, uh, you know, we know they didn't tell anyone and cause what is estimated at a 20-fold increase in global cases. That's not important. Let's give them credit for the crackdown. Or how about this, phone, this one from uh, MSNBC? China on Thursday reported no new domestic coronavirus cases for the first time since the outbreak began, a milestone in the fight against the global pandemic. Does anyone on earth actually believe this propaganda? Go back and watch the show from earlier this week about the ways China is cheating on us and not reporting accurate data. I'd say the New York Times uh, fell for this, but, you know, they didn't fall for the same thing. China hits a, a coronavirus milestone. Uh, no new local inf infections. To fall for something, though, that indicates that you were fooled. And that's different than, you know, so desperately wanting to believe the Chinese government uh, and the Communist Party that you blindly go along with whatever they say intentionally. How about uh, MSNBC? This is uh, as U.S. struggles to stem coronavirus, China asserts itself as a global leader. Technically, China is a global leader in coronavirus, meaning they led the globe into the coronavirus pandemic. That's true. I will give them that. But somehow I don't think that's what they meant. Another delightful genre here is the China is oh so charitable genre. It's coronavirus cases dwindling. China turns its focus outward. Times notes that uh, Beijing is mounting a humanitarian aid blitz. Ooh, I'm, I'm tickled. Uh, Time wants you to know that China is helping out Pakistan with medical personnel, supplies, and adorable puppies to cuddle. The Intercept notes that we're the only one blaming China for the blatant disregard for human life all around the world. Everyone else just wants their help. And NPR, which stands for National Public Radio, 
What nation is that one from again? I forget. Anyway, they just want us to know that it's not just China that's offering to help. It's other great philanthropists like Russia and Cuba. And of course, there's also the well-worn genre of USA sucks. Yeah, the travel ban and quarantine could backfire, as Politico tells us. Chris Hayes says we're doing a worse job than everyone else on Earth, which anyone with any knowledge of the situation would know isn't true. The New York Times is hoping you're not aware that China wasted multiple weeks trying to hide the virus and instead is giving them credit for buying us time somehow. I can't even comprehend the mental gymnastics that get you to to arrive at a conclusion like that. It's bizarre. And of course, the road to coronavirus hell was paved by evangelicals, which is like intentionally dumb. It's like they have a slot machine with groups they're not supposed to like. And that just combination just happened to come up today. It doesn't even make sense. We can go on and on and on here. But the truth is that the media has done everything it can to inoculate itself from criticism while doing everything it can to point the finger at its imagined enemies. Think of this when you're uh, if you're the New York Times. For some reason, China is seen as a close buddy, despite committing borderline acts of war against the world since COVID-19 began. While they see their own country as the enemy, despite all the reporters having to work from home because the city in the name of their paper is the number one hotspot in the world. I don't want fawning kiss-ass coverage of the president. I really don't. But I'd like some fairness. Now is the time to trim the partisan nonsense and cover a crisis in real time. You don't have to like Donald Trump, Mike Pence, or Anthony Fauci. But it would be nice if you could at least fake an attempt at being fair. Well, you're going to be home quite a bit uh, over the next few months. Uh, You might want to protect that home. You're going to protect that home, I know. When you go to bed, you're going to be setting your alarm. You may even be one of those people who uh, takes advantage of the Second Amendment for protection. Um, You're going to do lots of things to protect your home, protect the stuff in your home. But are you protecting your equity? Uh, Most people don't. Honestly, they don't realize this is a big problem. It's one of the fastest growing crimes in America. It's called home title fraud. Hackers, thieves online can get control of your documents. They can forge your documents. And all of a sudden, it looks like they own your home and not you. Oh, wow, look at all this equity this person has. Uh, Let's give them a nice big home equity loan. They take out the loan. You get stuck with the payments. And you're left trying to unwind a legal and financial disaster. It's not something you want to participate in. Trust me. It's not fun. It will keep you busy during the quarantine, but it's not the kind of busy that you want to have. Home Title Lock can make sure you don't have to deal with it. Home Title Lock is a great company we've been working now with for a couple of years, and they are the people that can step up and stop home title fraud before it starts. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com right now. Enter Stu. You'll get a free month of protection. You can see if you're already a victim, because a lot of times these things go undetected for a while unless you have Home Title Lock. Um, and if you if you're lucky enough to not having uh, have this going on already with your uh, with your home, you can protect your home going forward at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, enter Stu for the uh, one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. It's HomeTitleLock.com. The man, the myth, the legend. You know who he is. We just couldn't get him booked today. So instead, Glenn Beck is here. His new book 
is called Arguing with Socialists. It is out on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, you're the first guest we've ever had on, which was a very long time ago. Uh, Mm Wow. Yeah, it was very long time ago. And uh, the guest count hasn't really hasn't really been any better. Yeah, no. I was on and then it all went. Yeah. Downhill. You and then we had two other people somewhere in between and then you again. This is pretty pretty much it. So I hope people like it. That's it. That's it. Uh, Before we start and for podcast listeners uh, behind you appears to be a new Glenn Beck original painting. Well, uh, I just it's only like a couple of hours old here. Yeah. Uh it, it's uh it's my my version of American Gothic. Yeah. Uh I thought I would I was going to paint it. Hopefully I'll be done by next week sometime and uh I'll paint it and it uh I'll, I'll auction it off for charity or something see if we can get somebody to keep their restaurant or something. It's it's American uh, Gothic whole specifically for this era. Uh, it fits uh, perfectly yeah, it is. with where we it are. Is. I mean, uh, with the You know that's not husband and wife. It's not husband not and wife. Not husband and wife. Not husband and wife. Really? It's never husband and wife. It's uh, Mistress? farmer and whore. No, it's uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, 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 father and daughter. Didn't know that. Really? Didn't know that. Don't really care. You know what it actually uh, could be to me is uh, the Carol lady and her husband from uh, Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> that well, like that. maybe about 150 pounds. Uh, <laughs> it's four, a fair point. But yes. It's a fair point. But yes. I, I can say the same thing about myself, so I'm not, I'm not judging at yeah, all. Yeah, so <laughs> it would have been 300 for me. <laughs> quarantine time's been a little difficult. Um, so yes. uh, quarantine, people are, uh, are locked in their houses. Uh, what, what a uh-huh. great time to release a book. People are, you have an attentive audience, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it's hard to get to a bookstore, but thank God for Amazon. Thank God for Amazon. So, and capitalism. Uh, my so, hands are weird. I would assume they? socialists are not de- yeah. delivering books in the middle of a quarantine. Maybe bullets to the head mm-hmm. of, of their citizens. Uh, so yeah. let's get into this a little bit because, uh, you know, you wrote this book. It's it's an interesting thing that's happened here, which is really, you know, it's a book about socialism. You've got Bernie Sanders and, and AOC on yeah. the cover. We're, we're, you know, yeah. you think this is coming out in the middle of an election. Yeah. And that's what yeah, everyone's going to be talking yeah, about. Yeah. And instead, it comes we out. We thought we were pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> thought we were like, well, we got this one nailed. We got it nailed. Of course, yeah, we're going to no, be talking about so the election. Much. Of course, it's <laughs> obviously. Well, that did, that is not right. what people are talking about right now. But I think right. this book still right. has a lot of connection uh-huh. with what may come out of this coronavirus era. This has, I have to tell you, um, the last chapter we even debated whether or not to put the last chapter in because the last chapter is why is my arm suddenly disconnected from my there you go that's much better there we go okay um (laughs) the uh uh the last chapter is about modern monetary theory Mm -hmm. and we thought this is something that socialists are pushing for it's something we really have to watch but i think there are ways away from being able to pull it off no it's in the stimulus. This is what's happening to us right now. Uh, and it is, it's the worst of all. It's the dream of socialists where what they do is they believe they can just print money. They don't have to have any kind of anything to balance it out. They don't even have to raise taxes. Their, their point is, you know, we don't need the taxes. We can just print money. And how we control inflation is through price controls. Price controls, taxes on certain things. They'll raise prices. If they don't want you to buy that, they'll just raise the prices. This is total control of an economy. And that's where we're headed. And I mean, we almost didn't put it in the book because we thought oh, it'll be a while before that really happens. No, it's here. It's happening right now. Yeah. And you need to understand it. Right. Because I kind of thought 
if modern monetary theory is going to come to the United States of America, there would be a really big debate about it. Probably Bernie Sanders has to win the election (laughs) for it even to be discussed. Exactly right. Uh, But here we are. It's just being implemented really without any debate at all. We're basically going down this road. Yeah, I was uh, I'm 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 really concerned. I mean, you know, if you listen to me on the on the show and I pay you to listen to me, mm-hmm. I don't know how much you'd actually do, but you at least sit there acting like you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, if you listen to me, you know, I'm concerned. But I think these are the things that I have been talking about. This is the time that I've been preparing for and worrying about. Uh, we are very close to losing our country and socialism becomes very, very popular when people are in need. And, you know, with 30 percent unemployment is what they're talking about by July 1st. That's significant. A lot of people will be saying, yeah, I'm not for socialism, but I need help. And and there's a way to navigate it. And Washington isn't navigating it that way. Washington is, is going in a completely different direction. We need to have absolute sunsets and not like they have to vote to renew it. No, it's over by June 1st. And if you want to do it again, you have to start from scratch and do another bill. And that one ends in three months. Otherwise, we're going to slowly just slide right into a socialist state. Remember, Donald Trump, um, it was intriguing to me that uh, uh, what's his name? Turtlehead in the Senate. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Sad that I know that. Said, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, he said, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, don't even think about starting on a stimulus bill. Well, wait a minute, Mitch. How, how are you going to get a stimulus bill then? It has to start in the House. Mm-hmm. So we're already, I mean, if they're going to do it in the Senate and then it goes to the House, that's already unconstitutional. But the Senate or the House is going to be the one, if they're going to, unless they're just going to set the Constitution on fire, that starts the ball. And we have to be aware of what's in those bills. And it's all in this book. Uh, it makes sense talking about the stress of this moment and how we could leap into something like socialism or something close to it. Um, but let me take you back in time because you wrote this book before the coronavirus thing is happening. We're at a point where mm-hmm. the economy is raging. Uh, best economy probably either one of us have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, things seem mm-hmm. to be going really well in the country. Why did you write this book for this time? Because we have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten the principles. I mean, I wrote it. I mean, Stu, you and I worked together a long time on arguing with uh, idiots. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of our most popular books. And uh, because it's, it's almost like a comic book. I mean, it's full of car- charts and graphs and everything else. And so many people gave it to their kids. And through the years, I have heard over and over again that... Oh, uh, you know, I my son did a report and because you had all the footnotes in the back, he didn't have to quote you and he got an A on it, yada, yada, yada. And it really affected kids. And if we don't understand ourselves, the arguments uh, for capitalism, for the free market, and we we don't learn how to argue that. Uh, socialism is not about caring and sharing. It's not. It's about theft. It's about the most unfair thing you could possibly do. And if we can't make those arguments, we lose. And because we're about to lose the battle and we had one of the best economies we've ever had. 
and and people were still rising up for socialism. I understand it when times get tight, but not when times are good. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, because the book really, you know, arguing with idiots was the same way as this one. It's really funny. There's a lot of really great sidebars. You can open it up to just any random page and have a couple of really good facts that you could learn and and talk yeah. to people about, which mm-hmm. is I love the design of this book. Um, and it does connect with younger people, which is is great. Um, in there, you, in the book, you talk about um, kind of like how there is this appeal for younger people to look at socialism in a positive light. Do, is it, is, right. do millennials actually want socialism or are they just won over by the ad campaign? I think they're won over by the ad campaign. They don't uh, they don't really understand. You know, we, we have a whole chapter on just how socialism has worked out every place it's ever been tried. <laughs> uh, the death count. Uh, it's it's not it's not the brightest uh, of chapters, not the funniest of chapters, <laughs> uh, but a really important chapter in it. They don't know that um, they separate socialism from communism communism is just the utopia utopian view of socialism socialism is the vehicle to get you to communism communism's never been done i mean well i can't say that it's it's never worked it won't work you can't socialism is so flawed you can't get to the utopia the utopia is when everybody just chooses to do it and you don't need a gun and there's that, you know, the people own everything and you don't, you know, your leaders are kumbayaing and everything is great. That's never happened. And so they think that communism is this totalitarian state, if they even think that. Um, and they don't realize that, no, socialism, this is this is full of facts about Norway and Sweden and Finland and how those are not socialist states. Those have socialist aspects to them. For mm-hmm. instance, their health care. But if you look in, in this book about health care and you're seeing all of the things that it, it talks about about health care in arguing with socialists, you'll see that a it's not less expensive it's more expensive they're already rationing they're all moving towards more uh and more private uh health care you might get your basic services but in every uh every socialized medicine state you have to pay an insurance company to pay for the other things that are not covered. So you actually end up spending more in all of these countries. You get less for your dollar. And I could use um, the N- the uh, NIH right now in the hospitals in England. I just saw on Sky News yesterday a report on how the private market is begging the government. We can make ventilators we can make them we can make the masks please allow us to do it in england they have to ask permission to be involved at all here in the united states it's because of the free market do you know that they just put out in england in their national health care system now england i can drive from here to texas to the end to the end of texas i'm in dallas i could drive to the northwestern corner of texas it would take me longer to get out of Texas than it would take for me to do a loop around England twice. Okay. Wow. It's not big. No. All right. It's not a big country. They have just put out today a five step plan to get to 100,000 tests by the end of the month. 
excuse me? That's your goal? That's your stretch goal? Mm. To be able to have 100,000 tests completed by the end of the month? Why? Because it's socialized. The government is involved. The government dictates everything. We were going down that road with the government testing, and that's when Donald Trump stepped in and said, you know what? Let the free market do it. And that's when we got all the tests. All of a sudden, all these tests are popping up everywhere, and it's getting faster and faster and faster on the turnaround to get the test. We're down to 45 minutes now on a new test that should be available soon. Why is that happening? Because we are a free market. England is a socialist healthcare system. And frankly, that's the, my one hope right now uh, when it comes to the coronavirus thing is that, you know, maybe one of these drugs you know, will come out in the right combination and work. And maybe there will be an antibody test that will be able to at least free part of the society a lot faster than we're thinking. That sort of innovation uh, is available here and at least gives you some hope. I, you know, without us, though, I don't think it's coming at all. And this would be a much darker period, potentially. Oh, my gosh, this would be a very dark period. If if all of the Western world uh, was uh, shrouded in the uh, socialist systems. And remember, a socialist system is more China. Uh, when the when the whole country goes socialist, that's what it is. That's mm. China. That is they've been lying to their people. Their people are dying um, the rest of the world is dying because of China and because of this corrupt system of of socialism and communism. It, it, if if the West goes down, you we can kiss a lot of the innovation that is just over the horizon completely goodbye. Uh, let me give you one more here. I've got about one more, one minute here. Uh, you do you go into the environment in here and sort of how the uh, the environment gets used to promote socialism. It's sort of a, you know, the whole green and red thing kind of fits pretty well. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm struck by yeah. in the middle of this, what we're going through right now, the American people have been very willing to give up control to say, yes, I will go in my house and I will not go to work. Yes, I will close my business down and maybe never reopen it because we see a real threat here and we're listening do you are who is going to learn from what is happening right now uh, on the left from the socialist side of the things to see how easy it was to oh take power gosh. and to see how willing we are to give it up? Stu, this is this is the time that I said bottom up, uh, top down, inside out. Mm -hmm. This is the time we are turned inside out. All that has to happen this summer is for the bottom to rise up. There'd be, ri there'd be riots or looting or anything else um, and real strife. And believe me, the left will rise up inside the government and it will lock it down. Uh, the best chance we have is a vigilant Donald Trump. I don't believe he likes uh, tyranny. He is he's not the tyrant. Uh, that they have tried to make him out to be. We must remain vigilant, though, because there are people on the other side of the aisle, the Republican side of the aisle, that don't mind power as well. Mm. The book is uh, Arguing with Socialists. It comes out on Tuesday. It's a great read, and it's one of those things that's... Uh, you're going to be home. You're going to be uh, in front of the, the TV. You could watch Tiger King for the 15th time, or you can actually learn something about where we're going uh, in this society. Uh, Glenn, and lots of laughs in this. It's really, yeah, it's a really funny book. It's an entertaining book. And it's one of, what I yeah. really like about it is you can drop in wherever you feel like it. Uh, it's Arguing with yep. Socialists from Glenn Beck. It's out on Tuesday. 
Glenn, thanks so much. Appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Stu. Let me you get some something. subscribers here to uh, the network you founded. Um, hi, I'm Stu here. I know you love this show. Please prove me right right now. And while Glenn is sitting here listening, uh, go to blazetv.com slash stew. Consider a subscription. It's the best discount we've ever given you. Uh, you can use the promo code stew, uh, and you get 30 bucks off uh, your subscription price. An all-time great deal uh, from the Blaze TV. You get to see Glenn's show, Glenn's TV show, Stephen Crowder, Mark Levin, my show, and a bunch of other stuff as well. That's great. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. Back in a second. Had some really devastating economic news today. 6.6 million people filing for unemployment. Uh, I mean, it's double the previous record, which was last week which was five or six times the previous record before that. I mean, absolutely terrible. One uh, organization hit really hard uh, was Media Matters, who apparently lost all of their competent employees. Um, and that's uh, not that they had any, um, but all of their best media suicide bombers were taken out, apparently, in the unemployment line. Um, they tried to do this thing to, to Greg Gutfeld, where they uh, suggested he uh, was not taking the coronavirus seriously, he says Greg Gutfeld's uh, Greg Gutfeld says the Fox's five sounded the alarm on the coronavirus back in January, but he's lying. Uh, Gutfeld responded and said, uh, look at my pinned tweet and retract. Let's look at his uh, pinned tweet. It is all about where people are going these days, and it's coming here unless you stop it. So I do think we should consider a temporary travel ban, because if we're telling citizens not to go there, why are we telling them they can't come here? I don't understand. Doesn't that seem like a stupid but suggestion? It, it didn't work with Ebola. We didn't have to do that, right? Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a scientist. All I'm knowing is I'm reading. I'm trying to figure out with this information. It's, and by the way, you know me. I don't panic over anything Never. like that. Never. I, I, I've watched every pandemic from the bird flu. So, was SARS? The yeah. stuff was yeah. said they tell us it's huge and then it's not. But this is weird because it's doubling at a fast rate and the governments aren't telling us everything, which is weird. And to your point, I didn't know that about what Siegel said. That is the truth. Oh, I would bet on it. Yeah, Siegel said, I believe, uh, that uh, this is scaring him more than all these other diseases that had come before it uh, because it was doubling so fast. So clearly that was January 28th, by the way. So clearly they were taking it seriously. I, again, you know, nobody said they were good at what they did. Uh, you know, it just wasn't really there. Um, this one's pretty interesting, too. This is coming from uh, uh, Rafi something. Uh, he tweeted this, but it was also tweeted by the guy who hosts The Daily, which is why I kind of found it interesting. Michael Barbaro. Um, it's a striking visual, the New York Times today, depicting what a lack of national unified response looks like. And the map, if you are on podcast, is a map of the United States. And there's only one um, area in red. And the red is identified by people um, who... Uh, uh, they have not stopped traveling more than two miles. And this is kind of shown as like, wow, look at this. This is the, they're not even paying attention. They're not unified. The South isn't listening. But I mean, I think a good chunk of this might just be that the, the South is more spread out than like the Northeast. You know, like you got to drive further to get this stuff. Right. Like, I mean, I lived I lived in Connecticut and but I was in not in a city. And we had to drive like three or four miles to get to a grocery store. I know that's foreign to you if you live in New York City. Like you, you go downstairs to the bodega. It's right there. Uh, you know, the, the grocery store is on the next corner. It's not the way the rest of the country is. 
Um, so the south, it does seem like, is not quite following as much, but uh, also a little bit further to drive. That might be part of the reason. Uh, there's a new kind of gathering out, a poll of experts uh, as to what this thing's going to look like. 538 put this together. We gave you this a couple of days ago. Um, this is their new update to it. Uh, how many people will die in the U.S. due to COVID-19 this year? Uh, their best guess ex- estimate comes out at 263,000. That's a hell of a lot of people, man. Now, I will say that they do. this is only... This does not necessarily um, uh, assume that people will listen to the restrictions. Uh, you know, Anthony Fauci said 100,000 to 240. That's if people listen to the restrictions. Uh, their best guess is 263,000. And I'll give you this other one, too. Uh, this is the first time I've seen this estimated. How many cases do you think we're missing? We know we're missing tons and tons of cases because people might not even have symptoms. They're not getting tested. How many are we missing? They asked a bunch of experts, I think 14 of them. Best guest estimate was 1.1 million cases that were missing. The reason that's important is it lowers what we know of the uh, as the death rate, um, which is in a way this is a positive thing. If more people have it that we don't know about it, that means their symptoms aren't as bad, and more people have already had the disease, and it's it's good. Again, can we show that one more time? I do love the guy who uh, I don't know if we can. Yeah, oh yeah, the guy in the middle there. I think his estimate was basically like 100,000 to 10 million. Why are you even answering? If your estimate is a hundred between, I don't know, somewhere between a hundred thousand and ten million, just put it somewhere in there. At that point, you're not even making a prediction. You're just listing two numbers. Back in a second. As COVID-19 continues to spread, we're seeing a definite flux in technology. We have apps that collect data based on the recordings of a person's cough. Uh, We have public sourced 3D printed valves necessary for ventilators. Uh, While it's a somber time, the technological advances we see uh, could be game changers. Uh, Ash Kazarian, a director of Civil Liberties at Tech Freedom and a contributor to Young Voices. She is here and she joins us tonight. Gives a feel for the technological realities that are emerging with the spread of COVID-19. Ash, thanks very much for uh, coming on the program. Thank you for having me. You know, it's, it's an interesting time because I think when you have, you know, generational defining situations like we're probably going through right now. Uh, Usually on the other side, you come out of that with some real incredible technological advancement for the positive and also a real uh, threat to personal liberty. Um, At least I think that's what we may see out of this one when it comes to technology. How do you uh, see the balance going there? The balance is very hard to strike. The last a national tragedy in the United States, 9-11. Because of it, there were so many civil liberties um, and freedoms that were curtailed in the legislation that was passed afterwards. And we're still, you know, reforming that legislation. Just this week, the DOJ inspector general came out with a report that said that 25 cases of the FISA applications, the foreign intelligence surveillance applications Mm -hmm. that he looked into, didn't have the factual evidential basis. And I'm just using this as an example of surveillance being a bad dinner guest. It stays way after you've told it to go. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting. Some of the reporting coming out now is, is talking about how um, they're looking at trying to see the reaction to these stay-at-home orders by monitoring people's cell phones. There's a lot of restrictions on cell phone data from providers, but they seem to have found a little loophole when it comes to advertisers. 
So there are different levels of things that are happening. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, the location data, there is an exception when it comes to, you know, extreme situations, special situations. Mm -hmm. Also, there's very little information we have about what U.S. government is actually doing right now and what data is collecting. We know more about other countries, and that's what we're going off on. So we know that, let's say, China obviously is a surveillance state, and there is widespread surveillance there. But countries like Italy, Australia, Israel, Poland are allies. They're, you know, they're containing a lot of personal data, and it's not just the location and GPS data. It, a lot of them, it's very individualized data, and that's when it gets extremely scary. Yeah, you know, there's this, this yeah. thing you get all the time when they talk about using your data, and they say, well, look, it's okay, we've, we've, ra we've anonymized it, uh, we've randomized it, uh, we don't know, we, we we're not looking at you, we don't see your name associated with your data. However, like, there's only one person who's driving with a cell phone from my house to this place every single day. Like, it's pretty easy to be able to pull that out, and I think it's, it, it seems to me to be a false sense of security for the average American who wants to protect uh, their privacy. You're absolutely right. And it's not just that, um, not just government agencies, but even private actors, if they take different data sets and put them together, they can de-anonymize the data and have very clear picture of a lot of individuals and what they're doing. That's why it is very important right now in the conversations that we're having about data collection in the midst of a pandemic for, for the room to have obviously public health experts, but also civil liberties lawyers. And I think the big difference from, you know, the situation post 9-11 is that the, we're not at war with a country, we're at war with a virus. So there is way more transparency we can require from the government when it comes to the decisions they make and what kind of data they collect and how do they anonymize it. Are they going to give us that transparency, though? Because I, I feel like when we, we can ask for it a lot, but they don't tend to want to give it to us. Our society is in the midst of a great, you know, despair and gloom, and we're all very stressed. Um, that's why, you know, civil liberties advocates like me and you guys, we have to keep talking about this. We have to raise this questions. We have to be in that room. Our concerns have to be heard. And I'm not minimizing the importance of the health data being collected. Um, it will hopefully be efficient, and hopefully we can anonymize it and keep some so we can use it for future research and for fighting off situations like this in the future. However, again, we've got to be in the room and we've got to have transparency. Mm. Uh, it's very true. The, uh, the Wall Street Journal had a story out about how this data is being used. And they described a situation where researchers uh, noticed that New Yorkers were congregating in large numbers in Brooklyn's Prospect Park and handed that information over to local authorities so that they could go, I guess, break up these gatherings. And we're all here, and I think in the same place, in that we really want to do the right thing because we want this to be over. We want to defeat the virus. We don't want people to die. We all want to do the right thing. I'm afraid, however, at the lessons being learned by authorities um, as to how far they can push us when it comes to uh, uh, us giving up our own privacy. And I'm concerned not only at what they might be learning from that, but how easily we're sort of giving it away, even though I feel like it's the right thing to do. It's a really strange situation. I think United States is in the best position, honestly, in the whole world. And I was born and I grew up in Russia and I've lived around Europe for a while. So I've compared the civil society and the legal systems of different countries in my education and in my life. And United States has the most 
you know, built out democratic institutions and civil society um, mechanisms out of every country I've seen, to be honest. So while you should be as cautious as you are, I think down the line, people like you and me are going to have these conversations and hold our, um, you know, public officials feet to the fire and make sure they don't use the location data like that to, you know, break up peaceful protests or things like that. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great one. Um, let me take it another direction here because I'm I'm sort of in a negative state of mind to be honest about it. As I, I, I guess most people are. The other side of this, though, is when you have a bunch of people working together on something important, a lot of times you come out uh, with really positive advancements. We've seen a lot of uh, private companies who have, you know, you know, gone to the mat to try to help this crisis. We've seen uh, people inventing new ways to do things. Is there anything that we can kind of look at on the positive side when it comes to innovation that we come out of this with maybe a better sense to, number one, of hopefully avoid it from happening again. But number two, a lot of times these things aren't even associated with the problem. They just wind up advancing society in good ways. Yes, I think there is a lot of positive that we see happening from both volunteer work and people sacrificing and being out there on the front lines. In the technology aspect, I think it's the fact that the technology companies were one of the first ones to step up. There's AI being you know, developed and there are research data sets that companies are sharing with each other and with researchers. There are new uh, apps being developed as we speak. You know, Social media companies are trying to keep a spread of misinformation under control. There are all these things being done and it's been a real activation across the technology field. What's interesting is that in the past few years, technology companies have been under, you know, criticism from mm -hmm. a lot of from government, from civil society for some mix ups and missteps they've taken. And before that, they were the darlings of a society. So I think now, hopefully, as we come out of a pandemic, we can go back to zero. We can go back to neutral. And every next time we talk about regulating tech companies and in general, like the administrative state regulation overall in America, we can get rid of the, the regulation that we don't need that's stifling innovation. Yeah. One of the things I think has been really positive on this on this front has been I think was it Kinza is the company with the thermometers that are they're connected to uh, to Wi-Fi. And so when you take your temperature, it reports, of course, anonymized fully um, back to uh, to their system. And they've been able to see these breakouts coming um, before uh, the CDC, which is really fascinating. When you see a high amount of fever in a particular area, they're able to see and identify on a map that this is changing from day to day. I mean, these sorts of things. Um, should prepare us to avoid this sort of cataclysmic, you know, entire country shutdown uh, for the next time one of these things pops up. Absolutely. And I mean, look at us right now. We're talking to each other because of the wonders of technology. Mm -hmm. Last time there was a widespread epidemic in the United States, you know, the Spanish flu. There was no such possibility. Um, a lot of people are saving their jobs because they're able to work from remotely from home. Unfortunately, it's not everyone, but I think we are in a better place because of innovation. Yeah, and I will say, too, the, there's only today we have the technical innovation to have your head on a screen and a human body below you acting out your hand gestures. That's brand new technology. Nobody's had that before. So <laughs> well, hopefully that will advance going forward. Uh, next time, it would be nice if we actually had a female Instead of there's nobody in the office. I, apo I apologize, Ash. So I apologize for that. Ash Kazarian, she's director of the uh, Civil Liberties for the Tech Freedom Organization. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. All right. Back in a second.
There's lots of great values here in the quarantine for you. At blazetv.com, go to blazetv.com slash stew. If you use the promo code stew, you'll save 30 bucks. And make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Maybe they'll even keep it on the air when you have a subscription. We'll see you tomorrow.